Take your Bibles, turn with me to Numbers chapter 21. Numbers chapter 21. And I want us to look at a passage of scripture that I'm sure you have read many times before, but uh, obviously my, mis- my emphasis of this uh, message today is missions. And I want us to think once again today about our responsibility of getting the gospel into all the world. And um, the title of the message today is Laying Down Our Lives and Lifting Up our Lord. Laying down our lives and lifting up our Lord. If you would stand for uh, for me for the reading of God's Word, Numbers 21. I'm going to begin reading in verse number 4. The Bible says, And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water. And our soul loatheth this light bread. Can I stop just for a moment? This is free. This isn't really part of the message. But isn't it interesting that we have a complaining people who say there is no bread? There was bread. It was bread that came from heaven. They said, there's no water. God gave them water. They finally changed it a little bit. They said, well, really, what it is, our soul loatheth this light bread. Can I remind you, God is not pleased with complainers. Look around you. I want to remind you there is a lot of positive and wonderful things right around you here in this college experience that you're in the middle of. You can focus on the negative if you want, but you will become a bitter person rather than a better person. There was a lot that they should have looked to and said, this is amazing what God is doing even in the midst of this wilderness. But they chose to complain. And what happens? Verse number six. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people and much people of Israel died. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word and for these reminders, this account that you've given to us to help us in our lives. And I pray now for your help. I pray, Lord, for the filling of your Holy Spirit. And I pray that you would uh, please guide us in this time. Help us all, Lord, to do your will in our lives and to be helped by this message. Lord, please be glorified now through this time, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This is an amazing story to me. I try to, in my mind, think about what it must have been like to be there, to see all of this happening. Um, And, and you know, the the problem that we see here, this wilderness problem, if you will, uh, is a picture of a worldwide problem. And as we look to the world today and we see what's going on around us, try to uh, imagine and try to think about what the children of Israel went through and all the chaos that must have ensued once those serpents started coming in amongst them. 
and think about the chaos that we see in our world today because of sin. Um, just try to bring it down to a little bit smaller scale. Sometimes when we say envision this in the world, we kind of kind of lose that perspective. If you will, let's bring it down to this auditorium. Let's bring it down to this building, if you will. Can you imagine what it would be like this morning if for some reason there were serpents that all of a sudden started coming out from underneath this platform and started going back through all of those pews? Uh, by the way, some, I see some of you lifting up your feet already, just hearing about that, okay? Uh, dare I say there would be chaos in this auditorium. I, I, dare I say there would probably be a lot of girls that would be standing on the seats to get away from them. And guys, don't laugh because you'd be on their shoulders, okay? Uh, listen, uh, the only good snake I know of is a dead snake, okay? Th th this room would be crazy, and whoever else was in this building, as those snakes would fill this building, there would be chaos that would ensue here. And I want to remind you, that same picture, really, it's going on around the world. There, the, our world seems to be going crazy, if you will, as I listen to newscasts and I hear what's going on around the world. And, and you know, everybody comes up with these ideas of how we can fix it. And, you know, it, it'd be interesting if, if we brought some of those folks in here and we, they saw the chaos that was going on here. I'm sure we'd have some ideas like, well, what we really need is more training, training for the snake handlers. Yeah, yeah. What we really need is a new government program to to help with the snakes and and train the snakes better. Yeah, you know, maybe a snake health care program that that would work. That would take care of this problem, you know, and, and we kind of throw all of these things at a problem like that from a worldly perspective. And we know it would do nothing. And as we think about the world's problem, I want to remind you, it's a sin problem because mankind has been bitten by sin. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. So we have a sin problem. Mankind's been bitten by sin, but also number two, we have a sight problem. We've been blinded by Satan. Turn with me to the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, if you would. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. I want to spend a little time here today in our message as well. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and verses uh, 3 and 4 are verses that I uh, assume that you know well. Maybe you even have them uh, memorized. 2 Corinthians 4, beginning in verse number 3, the Bible says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world, which, by the way, is a fiery serpent throwing fiery darts, He's blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So we have a problem. It's a sin problem. And that sin problem has caused a sight problem that Satan has blinded the minds of them that believe not. So as we see the problem, I want to reassure you God has a plan. Just as in the wilderness, as all of this erupted, the chaos exploded there, God said, okay, here's the plan. And he lays out the plan in verse 7 of Numbers 21. The Bible says, therefore the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And notice, this is what the Bible says. And Moses prayed for the people. The first part of God's plan is praying. Praying. Sometimes we talk about praying. Sometimes we'll tell, yeah, I'll be praying for you, but do we really? 
There is power in prayer and you and I need to be praying. And what do we need to be praying about? Well, number one, we need to be praying for the people. Just as uh, Moses prayed for the people, how often do you and I pray for lost people? You know, we, we can be witnesses and we need to be witnesses. That's what we're talking about today. But we need to pray and say, God, would you open doors and allow me to speak to people that are ready to hear that gospel message and pray for the people that they would be saved. Paul says in Romans 10, 1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. We need to follow Moses' example and Paul's example. Number two, we need to pray for more laborers. We can't skip this one. Jesus said, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Now, think about this. What other main prayer request did Jesus give us as he lived on this earth? You know, I, I imagine Jesus could have listed a whole bunch of different prayer requests and said, here are the top 10 things that you need to be praying about. But it's interesting to me as I see the New Testament and I read about Jesus' life and I hear the requests he gives, I find only one main prayer request that he gives. He narrowed it down to this one. He says, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers. Now again, let's get practical. We know that verse. We hear that preached all the time. But my question to you this morning, student body, is this. When is the last time you prayed for more laborers? We can talk about it, but how often do we do it? I pray every day that God would send forth laborers into his harvest. If you do, God will give you a burden for the harvest. And then number three, we need to pray for those who are already laboring. Those who have surrendered to missions, those who are going forth into all the world. Acts 13 says, and when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Second Thessalonians 3, 1, Paul says, finally, brethren, pray for us. What he asked prayer for, that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. He says, pray for us. Hey, Here's a few things if you want to jot them down or, or think about this in your mind as you pray for laborers, the laborers that are out there, pray number one for their protection. Protection from the world, the flesh and the devil. Number two, pray for their productivity that much fruit that remains would be born as they are there witnessing. Number three, pray for their provision that God would provide for their family and for their ministry that they are doing there on the field. Uh, number four, pray for power their power, that they wouldn't do what they're doing in their own power, but in God's power, and much would be accomplished there in the field. And then number five, pray for their perseverance. Pray that they would remain faithful, that they would not quit, not come home, but stay on the field where God has called them. So God's plan is pray, pray. We need to pray. Everything that we do should be bathed in prayer. But there's a second part to God's plan in the book of Numbers and also the plan that he gives us today, and that is lifting up the cross. Lifting up the cross. In Numbers 21, 9, And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Now again, I'm not sure exactly why God chose this, but I see the beautiful picture that he's laying out as we look into the New Testament because remember, as Jesus spoke with Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. 
you and I need to lift up the cross. How do we lift up the cross? Well, first of all, I want to mention this. The only way we can lift up the cross is if we lay down our lives. You know, sometimes we have our hands too full of our own stuff. How are we going to pick up the cross if our hands are full? You know, I can think of a few things right off the bat that maybe are in our hands just a little bit too much. And, you know, when our hands are too busy doing some other things, we're not lifting up the cross like we should. So the first thing we need to do is empty out our hands and lay down our lives on the altar and say, I am yours, Lord, to use however you see fit. And then we are to lift up the cross. You know, here in 2 Corinthians, look there in uh, chapter 4, look at verse number 5. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. It's not about us. We're to lay down our lives. We're to empty our hands. We're to give ourselves completely to him. We are to say, God, I am your servant. Please use me as you see fit. So we need to lay down our lives. Number two, we need to preach Christ. We need to preach Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1, for after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. We need to be preachers of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Christ. Again, look in 2 Corinthians, therefore, uh, verse number 5, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. I'll tell you what, there's a lot of talk today about how to bring people to Christ and there's talks about well let's do it at the coffee shop let's do it over here let's do it over here and all of those things are okay in and of themselves I, I like coffee myself that's, that's a good thing but all of that should point back and bring people back to the preaching of God's word and preaching the gospel message of Jesus Christ you and I need to be preachers of the gospel. This includes ladies, not obviously behind the pulpit, but all of us need to be proclaimers of Jesus Christ, proclaiming the message of salvation to a lost and a dying world, preaching Christ. But then also, not only laying down our lives and preaching Christ, but number three, taking the cross to those who are in need. You say, what do you mean? Well, the Great Commission says, go ye into all the world. Matthew 20 19, go ye therefore and teach all nations. Acts 1 8 says that we're to be in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Again, if you would, I, I, I have a sanctified imagination. I, li I like to picture these things and I, I want to take you back to if in this auditorium and in this building, there were snakes that were spread out all over this building and the pandemonium and as different ones of you, probably many of you, if you, if you would picture this in, in the way that I do, would be being bitten even right now. How would I do that? How would I handle that? Well, the, the plan was to take this pole with the serpent and to hold it up. And I imagine that if I were here and I was the one supposed to do that, as I held up that pole, I would be shouting to you, listen, listen, look to the pole, look to the pole. Here, look in faith. This is where you'll find healing. And, and, I, would, and I would do this. But understand, that wouldn't be enough to just stand here and to say, hey, look up this way. Why? Because I believe that there would be many way on out there that would be laid down in between the pews who could not look up this way because they had been bitten. 
And I think if I were going to do my job correctly, I would have to come down and I would have to go to where the people are to see where the need is. Can you hear in this auditorium people who would be crying way over there? Come here. My, my roommate, he's been bit. I can't get him up. He's laying on the floor and I would have to run over to him or somebody over here. My friend, they're down and I would have to run. And maybe there's some other folks in this other in other parts of this building where I would need to go and take the gospel to them. How sad it is as you think about that. So many people today get very comfortable just right here. You know, they're satisfied. And please don't misunderstand what I'm about ready to say. I believe we need to have good preachers in the United States of America. I believe we need to have good youth leaders in the United States of America. I believe we need to have good evangelists in the United States of America. God calls men and women to serve him here in the United States of America. I get that. But I can't help but believe that there are some who are here in the United States of America because they're very comfortable right here. God has said to them to go, but they're like, no, no, I'll just stand here and, and I'll hold up the cross right here and hopefully they'll see it from here. Missions is going out to where the need is, where people are dying and calling out. And we need to take that gospel message to them. And if God's calling you to some foreign field, oh, my plea is go, go into all the world and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need to take it. And by the way, we need to take it quickly. We need to take it quickly. Jesus said, say not ye there are yet four months and then cometh harvest. He says, behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. Why? Because they're white already unto harvest. People have already been bitten. They're dying without Jesus Christ. And today is the day we need to go and take the gospel to them. We need to be redeeming the time because the days are evil. So we need to take it quickly. And by the way, we need to take it despite the obstacles and the seeming delays that we'll meet along the way. You say, what do you mean? Well, I'll mention this one. There's a cost to getting the gospel around the world. It does cost something. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe we need to streamline everything that we can streamline as far as missions and getting the gospel around the world. We don't need to be wasting money. But the bottom line is it's expensive to get the gospel all around the world. The question is, what are we going to do about that? Are we just going to give up, say can't do it? No, we all need to be doing what we should be doing in giving so that the gospel can go around the world and understand that there is a cost to be paid. Uh, another thing I thought about was preparation. You know, that seeming delay, that time of preparation. Can you imagine as Moses was to prepare this rod, this pole, and he was to put a brazen serpent, a brass serpent around that pole. I wonder how long did it take him to put that together, to make that? I don't think it was simple. I don't think it was a two-minute job. But as he was putting that together and the men worked on that, can you hear the cries of the people saying, please come and help us? Perhaps it was a temptation for Moses to say, listen guys, let's just stop. I, I've just got to go now. Oh, how sad that would have been because he would not been, have been obeying the command he had been given. He, he would not have been following the plan that was laid out for him. But he said, no, I must wait until the preparation has been fully made before I launch out and do that which I've been called to do. Young people, God has you now in a place of preparation. Study hard. Learn everything that you can. Don't rush on through and miss half of what you should have gotten. 
Because there is a time of preparation that is necessary as you go forth. Yes, it does seem sometimes like it's going to last forever. But I will tell you, someday you will be walking that graduation aisle and you'll be thankful for the preparation you got. You'll be thankful as you get to the field or get to the place that God has called you to, wherever that is, and thankful that you took the time to properly prepare. I also thought about the rejection. We need to take it despite the rejection that we will find. We've all met up with that. But can you imagine as Moses went forth with that pole and that serpent on there? Can you imagine as he went up to those Israelites and said to them, listen, all you need to do is look to the pole, look in faith. And can you imagine as the Israelites would shout back at him and say, Moses, you are crazy. That's a pole. It has a serpent on it. How is that going to help us? That, that plan is way too simple. We need a doctor. We need to find a way to, to beat this situation and get to the other side of it. We don't need your pole. We don't need your serpent. And can you hear Moses crying back? No, no, this is God's plan. It's the only way to find healing. You know, for you and I, it's the same thing. Lift high the cross. Yes, we're going to meet with rejection. We're going to meet with people who say, you're crazy. That's too easy. Surely I can take care of this situation that I'm in. I can find a resolution to it. You and I just need to keep proclaiming. No, no, no. This is the only way of salvation. Despite the rejection, keep preaching that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes unto the Father but by him. And then I also thought just regular old problems, just difficulties that come our way. Anytime we step out for the Lord to fulfill God's plan for our lives, we're going to meet with problems. You know, I, I'm assuming you're still there in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Look at verse number 8 and verse number 9. Here's what Paul said. He says, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are cast down, but not destroyed. By the way, anytime you and I think we have problems, we just need to look to the life of the Apostle Paul and realize we have no problems. <laughs> he knew what it was to experience problems. And you and I, whatever problems we face, understand it's just to be expected. When we step out for God to fulfill His plan for our lives, problems will come. But... The third point that I want to give you this morning, not only the problem and the plan, but the promises. God gives promises. And, you know, I love in Numbers 21, 9, God said, hey, Moses, if you do this, as I tell you, the people will see healing. And I want to remind you, God kept his promise. And I want to remind you again, God always keeps his promises. And God has promises for you and I as we step out for him and we do that which he's called us to do. God promises us all grace and all sufficiency in all things. You there in uh, 2 Corinthians, look at chapter 9, verse number 8. The Bible says, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. The context here is the church at Corinth who had not participated yet in the offering for missions. 
And Paul says, listen, as you step out for the Lord, as you give, as you do that, which God's telling you to do, God will give you all grace, all sufficiency, everything that you need to do all things that I am asking you to do. Well, what a wonderful promise. And again, God keeps his promise. Back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We just read verses 8 and 9, but let me read it again with a little different emphasis. Paul says, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. He says, we are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Why? Because our God is a faithful God who keeps his promises. He promises us all grace and all sufficiency and all things. Number two, he promises us access to his power. I'm glad I don't have to go forth and do this in my power, but it's his power. Matthew 28, the Bible says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. You realize that if the book of Matthew ended right there, that would be fabulous in and of itself. Let me, let me put it into context for you. Jesus Christ has just died on the cross. He's been in the grave and now he has risen again. He is alive. He has paid the price. It is finished. And now Jesus says, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. And then he says this, go ye therefore. Go ye therefore. What's the therefore? Therefore, to tell us where to go in his power. He says, it's available to you. And as we go forth, we go forth in his power. He promises us access to his power. But number three, he also promises us the assurance of his presence. He assures us of his presence. Matthew 28, verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even unto the end of the world. I know so often there are some that they, they talk to me and they say, well, I, I'm just afraid if I, if I surrender to missions, God's going to take me to some unknown place <laughs> where I don't know the language, I don't know the customs, I don't know the people, and well, I'm just going to be there all by myself and I don't know. Hold on a second. We never go by ourselves. He goes with us and he promises us that he will be with us even unto the end of the world. But there's one other promise I want to make mention of, and I love this one. Not just all grace and all sufficiency and all things, not just access to his power, not just the assurance of his presence, but number four, an applicable message for everyone. The message we get to take is a message that's not just for a chosen few. It's for the entire world. You know, you think about what happened back there in Numbers 21, verses 8 and 9 say this. And the Lord said unto Moses, make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole and it shall come to pass, watch this, that everyone that is bitten, not just some, but everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. You know, I, I, I'm sure Moses was glad about the fact that he didn't have to take that thing around and say, well, I'm not sure if you're chosen. <laughs> you, you know, maybe if you look here, it, it, might, it might bring you life. It may bring you healing. No, Moses, with all assurance, could go and say, listen, any of you who will look in faith can be healed. We have the same message. 
Any and all who will look to Jesus Christ for salvation will be saved. John 3 again, verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Why? That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I love what Jesus said in John chapter 12 and verse 32. He says, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. We're not to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ, Romans 1.16. Why? Because it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God would have all men to be saved, 1 Timothy 2. And Peter says, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, I am so glad that when we've been given this commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel, we don't have to decide, well, who do I give this message to and who do I not give it to? We just go and give it to everyone because this is a message for every single person. And as we think today and kind of in your mind's eye, go back and try to picture what's going on in the wilderness and the problems that they had in the wilderness. And as you think about the problems that are going on in our world today, please understand, yeah, there are problems, but our God reigns and our God already has a plan. He knows that the problem is a sin problem and he's paid the price. And he says, now the plan is bathe it in prayer and go forth, lifting high the cross of Jesus Christ. Preaching Jesus Christ to a lost and a dying world. And I love this part. He says, as you do, I promise you'll have my power. You'll have my provision. The message that you give will be applicable to any and all that you preach to. Young people... What is it that God would have you to do in fulfillment of his plan? You know, sometimes we like to pick and choose the parts that we like. You know, um, perhaps we would be one of those folks who would say, you know what? I just want to be the one who goes, picks out the pole to put the pole together. I, I want to be the one who puts the, the brass around. I, I don't want to have any other part in this, you know, or, or I'll just stay right here where I'm comfortable. Oh, young people, listen. Just surrender to the Lord and say, God, whatever it is you want me to do in fulfillment of your plan, God, I surrender to you. And I, I would ask that today you make a commitment to raise high the cross of Jesus Christ.